two. One, two. I'm Damian Willis, and this is The Reporter's Notebook, a new podcast from the Las Cruces Sun News in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. In this episode, we look at a couple of big issues facing the Doniana County Sheriff's Office. This week, we're joined by Sun News reporter Justin Garcia, who covers crime, courts, and public safety for the newspaper, and reporter Algernon DeMassa, who primarily covers statewide issues, but also stories he just finds interesting. First, Algernon has spent several weeks digging through county documents that revealed the depth of the tensions between Doniana County Manager Fernando Macias and Sheriff Kim Stewart. Then, on January 20th, Sheriff Stewart announced she would seek a second term. Late last year, retired New Mexico State Police Captain James Fritz announced he would seek the sheriff's office in the upcoming 2022 election. The announcement sets the stage for a Democratic Party showdown between two longtime police officers. There will also be a Republican primary in which two candidates are seeking their party's nomination. Justin Algernon, thanks for taking some time to talk to us about your reporting today. Hi, Damien. Hey, Damien. So let's start here. Algernon, how did you come to learn about the uh, would-be lieutenant who was caught in limbo? This is an example of the importance of confidential tips. And so somebody with knowledge of the promotions process within the Donia Ana County Sheriff's Office uh, suggested to me that I start looking uh, through the public record first and then see what I could find out from there. And I did some public records requests specifically looking for memos, emails, letters, um, any kind of paper trail regarding uh, some problems that had occurred within the process of promoting sergeants to lieutenant as well as actually deputies to sergeant. Tell us about Sergeant Eric Flores, Algernon, uh, his predicament and his complaint. Right. So what this revealed was that a sergeant within uh, DASO, the agency, has filed a complaint against Sheriff Kim Stewart, alleging dishonesty and alleging that he was improperly denied a promotion from sergeant to lieutenant. Um, This is a a complaint that is somewhere in process, but uh, we don't know exactly what stage it's at at the moment. He basically says that he- EEOC complaint? Is that what that is? It's he, uh, he filed an EEOC complaint that appears to have been settled, but he also has an internal complaint alleging that the sheriff is in breach of policy directives uh, regarding how managers are expected to be honest in dealing with their employees. The, the complaint is that he was denied a promotion from sergeant to lieutenant, even though he went through the process and he ranked high enough among the candidates that he, he should have gotten he took one a of test, three openings. Right, like an internal test for promotion, right? So 
<laughs> the process is definitely part of this story, and I I, I, I want to get to that. But but just to finish talking about his complaint, he complains that there were three slots open for lieutenant, and that based on a process that included interviews and a written examination and other people giving feedback to a panel about him, he seems to have been one of the three top-ranking candidates, but at some point or another, an issue was raised and he was bounced out of contention for one of those positions, and he feels that's wrong, and he's trying to get that promotion. What sort of avenues to rectify this does he have? Um, it's a pretty narrow pathway. Uh, so what happened was is that promotions have to be approved by the county manager's office. It goes through HR and the county manager ultimately has to sign off on it. The sheriff had made some changes to the process, and this began a series of conversations and questions between the so-called county side and the sheriff's office. And one of the things that came up was that this sergeant was being considered for a promotion, but his wife also is a sergeant, and they needed to avoid a situation where he might be part of her chain of command. This has to come avoid up a, a conflict of interest. Correct. This has come up many times at Dasso, and so Dasso has had immediate family members working simultaneously in the department. That that's not a new situation, and the nepotism policy has simply required them to make accommodations, to assign people so that they're not in a supervisory position over an immediate family member. So that's not novel. Um, that's been worked through many times before. Was it a matter of just this was not a promotion you thought was appropriate or what? what how did the, that... the nepotism, there wasn't an issue raised by us. We never raised the nepotism issue. They did. Mm -hmm. um, HR called them over one day and said, there's a nepotism issue. Yeah. Well, that flies in the face of reality when he was actually promoted about a year before his wife was, who she's also a sergeant. Yep. And uh, w they handled it then. We, we don't have issues with nepotism. No one ever on this side of the, the ladder said there was a nepotism issue that was made up by HR yeah. and I wasn't they, they tried to blame me for saying that I I never raised it. it was never an issue in fact I called him when I found out they had done that and said sir there is no nepotism issue I wasn't present I had no idea anyone was talking to you and saying this stuff I certainly that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. What happened was the county manager asked the sheriff for an explicit assurance that they would make this accommodation, and the sheriff refused. The sheriff at this point felt that the county manager was putting his thumb on the scale and that the sergeant wasn't really being considered for a promotion anyway, and... I, I don't know what the basis is for that, but that was that was where the communication began to break down with this promotion, and ultimately the sergeant was not promoted. And again, you know, there was a little bit of too much back and forth about, well, was he really the third uh, the third uh, candidate, and he was being given, you know, different information, but clearly he was number three based on the process that had been used. Right. So you know, the the lack of comfort. 
comfort is, you know, not following the integrity of the outcomes of the competition for merit positions. Tell us about that one, that one word email. No. Right. Uh, the ca- county manager, Fernando Macias, wrote to the sheriff saying, this person qualifies for a promotion. Will you accommodate him so that he doesn't supervise his wife? Yes or no. The one word email response was no. And that seems to have ended Sergeant Flores's prospect of being promoted. Now, Sheriff Stewart, for her part, says that she doesn't think the county manager was arguing in good faith. She thinks that three candidates had already been selected over Flores. And so she's putting the finger back on the county manager's office. Algernon, this is not the first time that Sheriff Stewart and County Manager Macias have butted heads, right? No, they're also not the first sheriff and county manager to butt heads over where one yeah, I, powers. I, I remember uh, Kiki and Julia Brown. Certainly. And and not just in Doña Ana County. I mean, Bernalillo County actually made some changes to charter to try to paint some broad paint lines about the county manager's powers and the sheriff's powers. Uh, Sheriff Stewart and, and county manager Macias have exchanged words most recently over a decision where the sheriff tried to allow support staff to work from home on a rotating basis during the surge of COVID-19 cases associated with Omicron. And uh, the county manager said, no, the rest of the county is working in person and your employees will as well. And essentially veto her policy but there and, have been other conflicts you say your employees but technically they're county employees right they are county employees the sheriff has the power to appoint two positions an executive secretary and an under sheriff everyone else these are county employees and so the county manager does have the power of the pen justin is there anything you want to add about your reporting on this topic you know i just wanted to emphasize kind of that that structural piece. I know from my reporting, the dynamic that is set up between the county manager and the sheriff is definitely a uh, very interesting one in that it pits two executives with overlapping responsibilities against each other. And so, you know, clearly, if you look at some of the, the, the um, opinions, uh, the county manager has a great deal of responsibility within, you know, the process of hiring and firing. But we don't, I don't have a role, and I've never crossed that line in terms of the operational. So I, I couldn't, I didn't feel I had the authority to say, yes, this waiver will be granted, because it's really where you're getting assigned and what your responsibilities are. That's not my role. I don't have that role. The elected official has the operational responsibility. I think it's worth noting that one is hired and one is elected, and they've got kind of a a dueling power control. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dueling power control over (laughs) with overlapping responsibilities. And so that is kind of a space that is uh, perfect for conflict to develop. Let's talk a little bit. Algernon, you mentioned the position of undersheriff, which is a position that's vacant now, right? Right. So 
When Sheriff Stewart first took office at the beginning of 2019, her undersheriff was Jaime Casada, a very highly regarded uh, local person and highly regarded by the deputies. But in uh, the summer of 2020, she announces that she wants to get rid of this position. She considers it out of date. And Casada leaves at the end of September of that year. And so then this curious promotion is announced on the county's website that Sheriff Stewart had appointed a new undersheriff, and it was her executive secretary. And the executive secretary for a period of about 15 weeks was the undersheriff but had no law enforcement responsibilities or authority. Um, I asked Stewart about this promotion, and she said that um, she was using her privilege to appoint these two positions to boost the salary of her executive secretary because she felt that she was doing much more than her job duties. Uh, she was working far beyond her job duties and that she deserved the pay. So for about 15 weeks, uh, the secretary's salary went up from something like $47,000 to um, $86,000, which is the undersheriff's salary line. It wasn't any. Uh, it was the county trying to make something. And then uh, we told them, you know, don't don't put her on your website as the undersheriff because we don't want anyone thinking, going to her, thinking she had that authority. And of course, what did they do? They put her on as the undersheriff on the website so that it created controversy for us. It created controversy where there was none. Then at the beginning of January, abruptly, the undersheriff is unappointed and that secretary no longer works for the county at all. And it's not entirely clear what the sheriff intends to do as far as appointing a new undersheriff. Um, she has suggested that she might appoint an undersheriff, but modify the expectations and the duties somewhat. It's probably worth noting that Kim Stewart was the first woman elected sheriff in the history of Doniana County, and she's also the, the first openly gay sheriff in the history of New Mexico. Both those things are correct. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if uh, uh, as we're talking, I, you know, I don't know what. I, uh, I guess, I guess, my point is that she's an historical figure in both of those regards. She's an historical figure in the sense of being the first woman and the first openly gay sheriff, although she has not made a whole lot about that in her political profile. It's also worth noting that she is a past whistleblower um, long before she ran for sheriff. She actually won a settlement from the county over retaliation she suffered as an employee, an investigator at the county, because she essentially reported misconduct on the part of previous administrations. Justin, what can you tell us about the candidates who are running for uh, sheriff in November? I guess as things stand right now, it looks like we've got two party primaries that are going to be happening on June 7th. Yeah, two very interesting primary races with four really interesting candidates. On the Democratic side, James Fritz is challenging Kim Stewart. And on the Republican side, you have Omar Chavez 
and Brian Hollister fighting it out for that nomination. Uh, all four of these candidates have really diverse backgrounds and diverse kind of ideological views and, and perspectives. All four candidates also have a lot of law enforcement experience, which I <laughs> I would I assume you would expect that of a, a sheriff's candidate. They also have a, all have experience either working inside of DASO or alongside the agency. Uh, Stewart, who is the, the current sheriff, she's from California, and, and as Algernon had mentioned, she kind of came in with this reputation of, of um, being a whistleblower and having won this, this big, very publicized lawsuit against the Doniani County Sheriff's Office, and really sort of took that momentum and, and pitched herself as a reformer. And uh, when I talked to her there, she, she really mentioned how she feels like a lot of that work remains to be uh, remains to be done. Things like working through some of the different policies and and kind of really sort of codifying responsibilities, uh, kind of are, are some of the things that she really wants to push into a second term. Uh, her Democratic rival, James Fritz, he is a longtime captain in the New Mexico State Police. Uh, he's from Las Cruces. He, when I talked to him a couple of months ago, you know, it was really a it was really an interview where he, where he focused a lot on what he brought to the table, not so much on how he feels, how he feels Kim Stewart has done or, or what she hasn't done. Uh, right. It's, that's very it's, much in contrast to, to Republican candidates. It's more about how I'm qualified for the job rather than uh, she's not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas my, my two interviews with the two Republican candidates were both very much... Um, they they raised a lot of issues with with how they believe Kim Stewart has gone about her her term at, her first term as as a sheriff, and uh, both Omar Chavez and and uh, Byron Hollister both very much feel like they are kind of running against the things the a lot of the changes that Kim Stewart has has brought forth. Uh, Chavez is a he is also from the area he has spent most of his career uh, over across the border in El Paso, working for the El Paso Sheriff's Department. He also did some work as a military contractor and, and uh, currently is a contractor who uh, works with different police municipalities in Mexico and helps kind of train the trainers, essentially, about different uh, administrative processes and, and stuff like that. Hollister, funny enough, is also from California. He told me just today... Actually, that he moved down to Las Cruces uh, after his, a stint in, in the army, and became a Las Cruces Police Department officer, and then a detective, and then moved over to the U.S. Marshal's office, where he was, uh, where he eventually became a co-commander in the Southern New Mexico region before retiring and, and working as a uh, a business owner here in here in Las Cruces. What uh, business does he own? He uh, he works at and uh, operates and owns the uh, Hacienda Carpet and Tile, which is located off of El Paso. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, he yeah he worked there. He uh, he told me today that he was um, one of the founding partners of the business and and has helped it kind of grow into into the large warehouse space that it, it has now. So before we go, I want to kind of your brains do you think that stewart's re-election would have much impact across the county or would another sheriff who 
gone along better with Macias make a difference? Or is the tension between the sheriff's department and the county manager's office just sort of baked in? Is it systemic? Uh, Algernon, let's start with you. Yeah, it's a fair question. I mean, the personalities here are large. And so you have that dynamic. You do also have uh, perhaps uh, some grounds here for trying to really look at how the two offices are structured and and how um, they can negotiate some of the overlap between the responsibilities. Where does this go from here? Well, you know, that's... I, I think that's for greater minds than mine, uh, because uh, it's part of it is a legislative action. It's a problem in the entire state. But until, until except for Bernalillo, because I told you they have a charter, so they don't have this issue. Uh, we, we should have a charter. We could have a charter. We could have a memorandum of understanding between the electeds and between uh, the commissioners. Um, so the, I don't have what is the answer. I, I know right now that as a result of uh, Fernando basically ordering his employees back to work, um, he has undermined the authority of sheriff not just me, but the authority of sheriff to deploy uh, people. My own folks here have come to me and said they don't know what to do about certain things. Um, he's, he is the de facto sheriff. Dasso is a department of the county, but it's not just any department, right? And, and uh, so the sheriff well, is not only... It's one of the few that have an elected head. I guess the, the county clerk and the assessor probably also have the same situation. Right. So you have elected leaders and you have a conflict between elected power and administrative power. Now, part of the job description of the county manager is that they're expected to meet on a regular basis and talk. The sheriff uh, says that the county manager isn't knocking on her door. Um, and so there may be just, uh, you know, there may just be some personal dynamics that are preventing some of the community from happening that that should be going on justin uh what do you think is there a way that this power shift can move forward yeah you know i i tend to think this is a structural thing uh, as we had talked about before there's those overlapping responsibilities accountable accountability to different groups of people all of these different factors that sort of play into a, a lack of incentives to kind of be on the same page and I think that's one of the kind of major tensions of, of this upcoming election. Uh, as I said before, with both of the Republican candidates really positioning themselves against Kim Stewart and, and against the things that Kim Stewart has has brought to the table or, or in, in their eyes, taken away from the table. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's a really kind of fascinating dynamic and and. <laughs> it's funny. One of the things that that she had talked to me a lot about, um, if she were to be reelected, would be really pushing the state legislature to work through some of these 
systemic differences between the county manager and the sheriff and, and that's not just in Doniana County as, as she pointed out she she pointed that uh, she pointed to counties across the state of New Mexico of, of having similar issues of, of rivalries between managers and sheriffs and and in as we had talked in, about in Bernalillo, Bernalillo County, County yeah you've got you've got you've got a county sheriff who is at odds with the police chief and the mayor mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so of, of different municipalities right right as opposed to at odds with his county manager right i mean it really suggests that there's a structural problem an organizational problem when we see some of the same themes occur with different sheriffs different county managers and in different counties mm-hmm. and i don't know where to come down on this because as a voter it seems like the sheriff should have oversight of her department yeah well in a way she does and in in a way she doesn't (laughs) that's kind of the issue we uh recently uh got an email from an upset reader who uh was troubled by our lack of mentioning the closure of the law enforcement museum Algernon, do you want to say like a super little something about that? I did quite a bit of reporting about it. Dasso did have a a law enforcement museum, the only one in the region. Um, It was to my to my observation, uh, kind of disorganized. Sheriff Stewart thought it had turned into something of a junkyard. Um, And she got rid of it. She wanted to use the space and she started sending things back to people who had donated items or giving them away. And um, this was troubling for a lot of law enforcement officers who thought there was a need for such a museum in our, in our region. And there were, there were uh, police cruisers and like horse drawn wagons and things like that, that were involved, right? Yeah. And I think how it relates to the topic we're discussing is that the sheriff was making decisions about disposing of items that were county property and accounting wanted to know what she was doing and what the basis was and uh, wanted to see receipts for things. So again, this comes up where the sheriff wants to act on uh, their own initiative and there's this county apparatus that- Her own authority, essentially. Absolutely. And then the county has its own policies and statutes and ordinances that it needs to follow. For uh, disposal and disposition. Uh, yeah, it's public is property. There, is there anything else that you guys would like to add that we haven't brought up here? I did have one more thing. I, I think I think this will be a really, really interesting race for a lot of different reasons, but already there's been a, a pretty sizable amount of money that's been uh, pumped into this race uh, on the Republican side. Uh, both Omar Chavez and Byron Hollister have have each raised um, over over uh, ten thousand dollars individually, and uh, <laughs> it's it's not even February. <laughs> so I, I if that that's a sign of things to come. Uh, people will might be having to put up with a, a lot of uh, yard signs and television commercials in the in the coming months for for the sheriff's position. And I think for voters, it's an opportunity to weigh in. I mean, you don't often get to elect law enforcement officers. Sheriff is, is the position of sheriff is uh, the actually only, an elected. The only one. Right. And you so the voters. You don't vote for police chief. You don't. Um, you could, but we don't do that. 
but we do elect sheriffs. And so this is an opportunity for voters really to communicate how they wish to be policed, um, what their public safety concerns are, and to hold a sheriff accountable. If sheriff Stewart ran on a very strong message about community policing, and this is an opportunity for residents to look at what she has delivered and see if that's sufficient. Thank you both for uh, taking the time to talk to us today because I think we've kind of pulled back the curtain and, and gotten a better look at how this operation is running and where we might go in the future. Yep, that's exactly right. And that's why we're here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm certainly interested to see how this election shakes out and, and how the conflict between county manager and uh, sheriff evolves into the future into new and exciting ways. I really think, Justin, that there is just a natural tension in that dynamic. Well, you know, I would I would say that it's very unnatural. <laughs> I think that the tension is is really, really comes down to who, whose responsibilities are what and, and how, like how do who, we who oversees the, the sheriff's department? Voters. Well, oh, I'm sorry. The the I mean that's th that question reveals the problem because the yeah. sheriff has a boss and the sheriff's boss is voters, but the sheriff's office is a department of the county and that is under the management responsibility of the county manager and his boss is the board of the, county commissioners. The, the commissioners exactly. Yeah. And so at the end of the day everybody answers to elected officials. Yes, and those elected officials may or may not want to wade in. Interestingly, the sheriff actually did ask commissioners to uh, assist in navigating this conflict between what she viewed as her discretion and and the against the county managers and, they, and the commissioners and, and they, stayed out. They said they said no thank you. They said they didn't even say that much. <laughs> <laughs> They said no. <laughs> well, Algernon, Justin, thanks for uh, talking to us today. Anytime, Damien. Thank you. Absolutely. You know where I work, so I'll be here if you need me. Yeah, I've got your uh, cubicle mapped. Yeah, I'll be I'll be uh, going back to the Wordle now. Thank you. <laughs> I, I don't Wordle, but something tells me I will be in the near future. <laughs> Again, the party primaries are scheduled for June 7th. This year's general election is November 8th. You can register to vote at nmvote.org. You have to be a registered voter of a major party to vote in that party's primary election. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. Please subscribe to the Las Cruces Sun News to read all our local reporting. Brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces. Until next time, I'm Damian Willis. Thanks for listening. <laughs>